Hello and welcome to Q and A Quest episode two hundred and thirty-one. I'm your host, Mike Epps. As good as mine, champ. And with me as always, David McBurney, the Pumpkin King family master. Nice. <laughs> uh, wishing I had done a Nightmare Before Christmas pun now. <laughs> Uh, how's it going? It's going good. I beat Metroid Dread. Nice. How dreadful. Uh, the opposite of dreadful, actually. How dreadful. Had an actual final boss, unlike... Uh, <laughs> Mestroids 1 and 3. Where you fight a brain in a jar. I mean, eventually in three, it gets out of the jar. Yeah, and that part is... That's, like, the easy part, too. That part's basically a story resolution. Yeah. A dramatic crescendo, if you will. Yeah, like, I love me some classic Metroid, and I know everyone has nostalgia for Mother Brain, but... Those fights are stupid. It's a brain in a jar. They're really, <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> There's a reason Zero Mission replaced the final boss with... Uh, another act of the game, and then you fight Ridley. Yeah. That was kind of a fun surprise for everything. Suddenly just to pack another act onto the game. Yeah, somehow I was not spoiled by the, spoiled before playing that, so, you know, I beat Mother Brain and was like, wait, it's not over? Same. It's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. Yeah, but... <clears throat> yeah, obviously I love those classic Metroid games, but... Not because of the bosses, even like most of the regular bosses are just like I'm going to sort of try and take as little damage as possible, but mostly fire a barrage of missiles until you're dead. I'm 100% willing to say before, uh, before good and all that uh, Ridley, the Ridley fight in Super Metroid is actually terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have good memories of that either. I like the one. Like it's Metroid just one of those Prime. fights. Like the thing about the Ridley fight that like bothers me as just like someone playing it, it's just like there. It's just a bad fight. Like, in, it's not like the hardest thing. It is like hard, kind of. But like for the most part, Ridley uh, bounds around off screen and. Uh, like, occasionally, like, hammers down into view just long enough for you to, like, shoot something at him. And it's just, like, that sucks. That's not a fun fight to, ha to have. Like, if you win or lose, it's not an interesting fight. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, yeah, that's I, I feel kind of... like boss fights are something that the series has generally just gotten better at over time. Yeah, like, I don't have a good memory of fusions bosses because i've played it uh, pretty good there's like nightmare that's yeah. really fucking hard i haven't um, played it as much as the other ones but i remember the last yes, time i played it cool. i came came away with a i just really liked it a lot honestly yeah I know if you know what you're getting into it's a very yeah. good game i know some people think it's too linear and i i don't really have a problem with that per se it's a game that uh, is very structured in a way that prior games were not, and that's partly because it was a handheld game, and yeah. they specifically made it so that it could have 
uh, short directed play sessions. Unlike, say, Metroid 2, which is kind of just... Small. Like, it, it, it has weird short play sessions, but it's also just kind of less conceived as a handheld game. It's yeah. just a weirdly put-together game. That's why but, you got uh, a fan remake and a non-fan remake. Yes, and both are interesting. Yes. Although Samus Returns is better. There, I said it. But in any case, uh, yeah, it's good that Metroid 5 is good and was actually, you know, worth the wait. And also, it's very amusing to me uh, that these actually do officially have numbers, because I never think of them as having numbers. Yeah. But, I mean, when they showed that initial Dread trailer, they started by saying Metroid 5 and then revealed it as being called Metroid Dread, so... Yeah, but, uh, so, after finishing this game, I've been thinking a lot about nostalgia and how we raise up these classic games as, like, untouchable, like, yeah. pin pinnacles of a genre and don't necessarily look at them in as critical an eye as we should. Like, you'll see people do these deep dives on classic games. I'm guilty of this, where you talk about, like, a million things about it that are, like, representative mostly of how fondly you think of it without actually... Like, you, you can't look at them as having ever made a mistake, like, right. after a certain point. And like, you can't look at them as parts. In parts, you only see them as, like, this perfect, holistic version of them. Yeah. And specifically, I'm, I'm bringing this up because after finishing Dread, I had to, I came to the realization that I was going to have to possibly say I like this better than Super. Because I think mm. I do, to be honest. And, mm. and I feel like I'm in a position to, you know, obviously I haven't played through Dread a ton like I have super, but I feel like I've played super en enough times that I know, you know, my feelings about it and know that if I was going to pick a 2D game, 2D Metroid game to replay, I would definitely go straight to this one. Mm -hmm. Just because I think it, f it brings the Metroid formula forward in a way that hasn't really happened in a long time. I know Samus Returns uh, tried to do this in some ways. But it's also sense. kind of married to that Metroid 2 structure. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the problem. Like, it tr tried to do some new things, but you still have to do all these Metroid fights that ultimately... Uh, There's only yeah, so much you can yeah. do. Well, you can gussy them up a little bit, but you still have to do, like, a ton... 60 of the uh, damn things. Yes. Which doesn't really necessarily work out all that well, but... Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's been a very long time since uh, there's been a real attempt to expand upon the Metroid formula in any meaningful right. fashion. And you know, certainly other Metroidvanias have moved in their own directions, which is you know why it's a genre. But Metroid itself has largely uh, been beholden to just try to be like Super. Yeah, which honestly is my problem with the fan-made remake of Two. As good as it is, it feels like you're just gussing up to with like a super Metroid paintbrush 
which yeah. I, I, just, I, I don't I really don't want to downplay on how good that remake is, which like it is really impressive, but it is the kind of thing that like fans sometimes do. Yeah, and and honestly, I, I love the story that that creator eventually got to go and work on Ori, which is yeah, and did excellent work there. A better place for that dude's talents. Yeah, it's it's a healthy place to work, and it's also something that's like using their their clear talents to you know work on something where they can build like something truly unique as yeah. opposed to yeah because yeah. I've I've also gone so I've been let's say I've been shopping around I guess from where Metroidvanias. Mm -hmm. uh, like you're doing reasonably well on Bloodstained. Yeah, obviously Bloodstained I'm going to be playing a lot of, but I went back to try and make some more progress in uh, Ori, Will of the Wisps, which I'm almost at the end of. And I still need to grab that. That game is really Because I loved Ori 1. Yeah, Ori 2 is really good. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's it's like a different flavor of kind of the same thing. I don't really know how to describe it. Not really more complicated. Com right, right. It's a sequel, but it doesn't just like advance on the first one. I think it, uh, like it's, it switches it up the spin on the formula. Right. It's it changes the combat to make that uh, a little more um, developed part of the game than it was in the first one. Fair enough. It's good, and then it you know builds on the platforming that the first one had in some crazy ways. Like I'm in the late game area having to use abilities to like navigate up this giant tree mm. uh, which is really cool it's, yeah I can't, cannot recommend the Ori games enough to people especially mm. if you like Metroidvanias they're just yeah they're special but yeah I, I would uh, maybe to track back a little in the conversation I would, I would say that the the degree to which Super Metroid was beloved was actually honestly kind of an unhealthy thing for the franchise. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. Because it, it meant that everything sort of had to live in that shadow and either like conform to it or like immediately divorce itself from it. And you know, that's that's not a healthy creative environment. No, and I wonder if that honestly held back Fusion a little bit. Again, a game I really like, but uh, it would I feel like. It would have been nicer if the, it distinguished itself a bit more visually from Super than it ultimately did. Yeah, although that's also partly because it was a uh, true. It was working on GBA hardware, which is very Super Nintendo adjacent in terms of capabilities, if not actually actual arrangement. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it was a weird. Uh, it, you know, a lot of a lot of things are almost like damned by the success of their uh, most beloved work, and I, I would say Metroid on some level kind of was that. Yeah. But it's good that with Dread they at least had the confidence to produce something that does make significant changes and takes like a real creative risk. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like they had a lot more room to do that with the Prime series just because, hey, it's 3D, so yeah. it's not necessarily going to get the same comparisons, but you know. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people praising it, and obviously there's still some curmudgeons out there, but I think 
I think a lot of people... People seemed ready for it this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously there's a lot of discussion about the difficulty of the game, which I don't really care to have a deep discussion in because it's an annoying conversation and it often feels like people just want to yell at each other yeah i mean that's that's a lot of uh, that's true that's a lot of internet discussion in general but uh yeah don't don't try to just tank through that uh iron maiden yeah that's what i, f I assume i need something to get past that yeah, you need an ability to get past the Iron Maidens. Uh, but yeah, so... Obviously, I don't want to go into any more spoiler... Any spoiler territory of Dread, but... Um, if if they came out in like a year or two and said... Mercury Steam is working on a Metroid 6, I would be beyond excited. Because, <laughs> you know, this, this game is absolutely brilliant... And I'd love to see them, uh, I don't know, try and take it even more new places. Yeah. So, we'll see. Obviously, Metroid Prime 4 is going to be the next big thing out of the Metroid series. But, I mean, th if the sales on this continue to be good, then um, the, the future... I mean, I'd be shocked if the current sales didn't justify them making another yeah, one. It... <laughs> The, the future is looking a lot brighter for Metroid. And um, that's, that's not something we've been able to say for a long time, thanks to uh, other M. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, just in general, like uh, there's a lot of turmoil uh, about, well, who actually makes these games now? Yeah. Uh, I feel like, because like other M, like that was made by Team Ninja. And I, I feel like the issue is partly that they're just hasn't been there's there's no internal team that's job is metroid yeah unlike say super uh mario or zelda or whatever like that like the team changes but there is like a dedicated team that's like when they finish one they move on they like largely just move on to another one uh and you know they'll spend forever in prototyping or like uh you know just generally coming up with ideas and polishing but you know they they uh they they have a dedicated team, whereas for a very long time it seems like Metroid kind of didn't have one of those. Yeah, which is why you saw, uh, you know, Metroid. Uh, you saw uh, Federation Force, which was next level games. You saw Other M, which was Tecmacoe. You saw uh, Mercury Steam take up the mantle in uh, with Samus Returns and Dread. Uh, and then, of course, you have other, uh, you know, like you have Retro and uh, allegedly, uh, before it's rebooting Bandai Namco, like Singapore uh, mm. on Prime 4. Mm. Uh, it, it's one of those things, like, I don't think that Nintendo has a... Because, like, that, that's something that I think gets lost in a lot of discussions of, like, these, these older properties that... Uh, kind of fall by the wayside is that eventually it becomes like a question of, well, who actually makes these now? Yeah. Cause like you might have like a key creative person, like, uh, am I forgetting? The Metroid guy's name. 
Yoshio Sakamoto. Yoshio Sakamoto, who is like the the guy that like presumably pushes for more Metroid games to come out, and but like you know obviously it doesn't seem like they had a team dedicated to Metroid for a very long time. Uh, so it became a question of like, well, who's who's making it? And eventually they contracted with like Mercury Steam. But uh, you get into some of these other. Uh, you know, like you get to these other franchises and like you'll get people asking like, why isn't there a new F-Zero? And it's like, because no one makes, no, there isn't an F-Zero team. <laughs> and the question of who would actually make it is a reasonable one. Like, you know, that's why they tried to get Criterion to make one in 2012. That would be It's neat. just one of, yeah, uh, that, that was basically a case of, at the time, EA wanted them desperately to help, uh, save the flagging Need for Speed series, and that's why that didn't happen. But, you know, it's one of those things, like, they, they look for... Because, you know, Nintendo has shown themselves willing to, like, resolve this issue just by having uh, outside teams work in a contract capacity. And, you know, I'd be shocked if there aren't currently discussions between Nintendo and Mercury Steam about the future of Metroid at this exact moment. Uh, I but hope there are honestly, <laughs> but uh, in general, uh, I believe the bottom section was mainly due to a save, which is useful. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you which, which way led to the boss because I know there's a boss. Yeah, I believe upstairs is the boss, and downstairs should take you to a safe room. But uh, yeah, like you, you have these oh it was a warp room but you know similar a similar degree of usefulness in this case because one there, there should be a way to i don't have anywhere to warp you haven't been to any of the other warp rooms oh hell uh might have to just go back and do that then yeah so right near the the town that has the side quests there's another one. so if you can get back there you should be good i should probably get that anyway yeah, because you'll want to be able to get back there quickly to be able to do side quests and such. Yeah, that's very clearly the boss room up there. Yeah, and that's a really hard boss. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I I remember uh, to to continue the F Zero analogy. The last F Zero game was made by uh, Amusement Vision, which was a division of Sega that got folded in shortly afterwards. Oh, there's a safe room. Uh. But yeah, uh, you know those those games, they get uh, they get they have to be made by someone. <laughs> like as silly as it sounds, like to emphasize that, like you know you can't just point it and be like, why aren't you making this? It's like someone has to actually be assigned to make it. Yeah. See also uh, Star Fox, which the last few were contracted out to, like, Platinum and, I think, Q Games. Uh, you know, you, you need these... As, as games get more expensive to produce, their teams get larger, and the companies don't typically get larger at a consummate rate. So the games themselves just... Uh, it, there just isn't as many people to go around to make these smaller titles. So it's good when you get, like, those... Uh, when... Uh, 
they run into those situations where they find a company that can and will uh, make these games that they, you know, that people want to see. But it's, you know, I, th I think it's more complicated than people sometimes want to think about. Um, oh, spot. You weren't fucking kidding. Yeah, no, he's a tough guy. Uh, like, he's also very fun to play as. He's one of the bonus characters, of course. Like, fight my way back down to town just to level up. Not the worst idea. Yeah. Kill those murderers dead. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Metroid looks healthier than it has in decades. Not since uh, Fusion and Prime came out on the same day. Yeah. <laughs> And I have yeah. high, high hopes for Prime 4. I still need to yeah. actually finish Prime 3 and 2 at some point. I mean, Prime 4 will probably be uh, very good. I mean, like, the whole reason that Retro ended up taking back the reins is that people within the company were passionate about it and threw their own pitch out about what they wanted to do with another Metroid Prime game. So, you know, I have uh, trust for that. It's always fascinating if you ever uh, go look at the actual development of Metroid Prime 1, because that was like a horrifying harrowing for the entirety of Retro Studios. Mm -hmm. the, they ended up much healthier for afterwards, uh, because like the initial corporate culture before the buyout from Nintendo was hellish. Uh, yeah. but, uh, and by all accounts, the actual way that the studio was run got a lot healthier after the buyout, but in general, one of those, uh, why on earth am I hearing fireworks? Sorry, th that's extremely weird. Fireworks? Uh, the 21st yeah. of October. Yeah, you know. It's the thing. A day that none of us can go by without uh, just crying in celebration. Uh, but yeah. Remember um, the 21st of October? Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I have high hopes because, you know, that seems to be a project that Retro very much wants to make. So. That's good. What was the last thing they made? Let me try uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Oh, I am okay. certain that there is something that we are not aware of that uh, was probably prototyped and in development for a few years and then quietly went away <laughs> because that game initially released in like 2014. Yeah. Let me double check my numbers on that. Uh, Switch version was 2018. And yeah, initial version was 2014. They do, uh, Retro does get pulled in a lot to do uh, secondary work to help get other projects going. They're, you know, a very technologically talented company. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just spend a few minutes, go, go back to the original Prime, spend a few minutes messing around with that, and you won't have any doubts that they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they, they were very, they remain a very talented company yeah. uh, technologically. They, But yeah, I would imagine that some of that time was filled with just development assistance on other titles. Yeah. But. yeah, I still remember being a curmudgeon for years, being like, I don't want to play 3D Metroid, and then finally sitting down and playing it and being like, oh, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> this is wonderful. Turns out that these are very nice to occasionally see. 
Yeah, it looks like uh, development on Prime 4 must have restarted sometime in mid to late 2018. Uh, at which point, uh, which means that as of next year, I will assume that it was been in development on some level for about four years. So I think we are fairly likely to actually see what Prime 4 looks like next year. Sounds Sounds likely. But, yeah. I was going to say, there's one other game I want to talk about. So, while shopping around for some Metroidvanias, I checked out a game that I've heard lots of people dote praise on. Blasphemous. I was going to make a joke about you were finally playing God of Robot. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's a game about being a cat piloting a robot. It's a little Metroidvania game. Oh, I remember hearing about. It. Is that is that good? I've heard that's pretty okay. Yeah. I have to check that out. Yeah, but yeah, Blasphemous. I've heard very good things about, and it's very gross. And I'm not yeah. sure how I feel. <laughs> One of those games where, like, part of the reason I played it was like I, like I don't no disrespect to this art, but it is not art I like to see. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, most. Most of the enemies are humanish, and oh, we're like hacking off their heads. Um, yeah, definitely don't show this to the kids. Yeah, so not I yet. Just played the demo and didn't even love the mechanics all that much. So I think I'm gonna tap out of that one. That's reasonable. Like I'm sure it's really good. It's just there's certain games where it's just like I. Plus, my plus, philosophy is always just life's too short. Like yeah. there, are, like it could very well be great, but like there are so many great games. Yeah, and like if I if I want a, a title like that that's vaguely Dark Souls ish, I have Salt and Sanctuary to play. Yeah, it's which is far less gross. Very similar. Yeah, <laughs> very similar. At least conceptually, doesn't involve my character decapitating lots of enemies in a gruesome yeah. fashion. Yeah. But if that does sound like your bag, apparently it's fair. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to bag on it, because uh, by all means, the the pixel art is great, and mechanically... That's just not what you sound. wanted to see, so... But it's not much like, done for I don't want to see this, and I don't necessarily like its deflect mechanic, where I have to wait around a lot for enemies to attack. It's always like a danger of anything that really heavily emphasizes the parry mechanics. Yeah. Like, I know I just repraised in the game that has a parry mechanic, but like Metroid, you can be very active in battle and. Yeah, I mean, like, that was one of the things that they seemed to have improved with. Is the. Like, they, made it, they made it so that the parry mechanic is helpful rather than a necessity. Right. Which is very much how it often was in Sense Returns. Yeah. Like, it's present in boss battles, but it's usually, like, very telegraphed and mostly just used for, okay, this is, like, this is just f to have a cool cinematic moment, which is another <laughs> really cool thing the game does, is um, makes Samus through these cinematics look like an absolute and complete badass, and I appreciate it. <laughs> There's a lot of good body language I've seen in some of the animations. Oh, yeah, they're, they're great. Like, just the way Samus finishes off some of the bosses too is just like, okay. 
<laughs> like nonchalantly charging the blaster and like firing it without looking. It's mm. Chef's kiss. But yeah. Uh, anything else you've been playing? Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much been it. I've been on the Metroidvania kick, so a lot of things have kind of gone by the wayside. I know. Um, but um, I feel like I'm a little more free now that I've finished up Dread. I'm probably going to start hard mode, but I'm not. That's it's just going to be that like won't a, be as all consuming as your normal. Yeah, because I that's going to be harder to make progress in. So I'll probably just poke in on that every now and then. But mm. I mean, I I cannot recommend the game enough. It's already in a year where there's a Monster Hunter, my game of the year. So damn, there's that. Yeah, I need to I need to earmark some money for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you if you go up from here, you should reach Grand uh, yeah. Lord. There. And there's a level up. Nice. But uh, so you've been playing anything recently? Uh, in terms of relevant things, I've been continuing to. So, like, you know, Delta Rune's not long, but I've been trying to fight the bonus bosses, and those are... Mm. Those are so hard. <laughs> uh, I really need to play that game. I finally listened to that music clip you sent me. It was like, yeah, I really... That's a chance to be a big yes. shot. <laughs> I won't... <laughs> yes, I forgot... Somehow forgot how good Toby Fox's music is. I need to play Delta Rune <laughs> so I can enjoy lots of this stuff. Yeah, but basically, uh, why didn't you actually go back to the town itself? I don't know. I could probably stand to do some shopping. That's a good point. Shop, save, uh, maybe check if there's any side quests to turn in. But, yeah. Uh, so there was a bonus boss in Chapter 1 that I hadn't found that I went back to my Chapter 1 save. Thankfully, even on Switch, the game keeps your Chapter 1 and 2 saves separate. Oh, cool. So I was able to very quickly go back. And the game actually is set up so that you cannot save after the point where the bonus boss is no longer available. So it's it's very cleverly designed in that way. Uh, that bonus boss is mind-bogglingly hard. Uh, it I, I won't say too much, but I guess I, it's not too much of a spoiler to say its actual name, since its name is referenced nowhere else. Sure. Uh, but Jevil from uh, is just, you have to, so like the, the entire game, one thing that I do like is uh, they have changed, uh, the way uh, that the uh, since since you no longer have to play the game in a specific way to access the hardest boss, so like you know in in Undertale to actually fight Sans, you had to be playing in a very specific fashion, and that was that meant that you know people like me who didn't play in that fashion would just never see him. And like that's that's partly the point, but it did also mean that you could not uh, like there was all kinds of content you could only see by playing the game in a very specific way. Uh, and in, uh, Deltarune, uh, you, the game will respond to the way you chose to deal with this bonus boss. Like, you can, 
uh, deal with this bonus boss by fighting it or by finding a way to pacify it. But you can, like, it doesn't matter how you played, you still get to see this content regardless of how you played. Uh, but yeah, Je Jevil is incredibly hard. Uh, it's... <laughs> you really have to, like, go scouting out all of the best healing items that are in the first uh, chapter in order to keep yourself afloat during this fight. Uh, it's, it's really a lot to deal with. Um... But, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's got, there's some great music going on there. Uh, and the game is clearly keeping track of when you, uh, of when you, uh, of whether you're taking on these bonus bosses. Because, like, in Chapter 2, if you've taken, if you've managed to uh, resolve the Jevil fight, which I still have not, I've just read about this. But in Chapter 2, if you've managed to resolve the Jevil fight, there is an item waiting around, that it, like a key item that lets you collect. And you get another one of the same thing for defeating the uh, bonus boss of Chapter 2, who, again, uh, you can fight regardless of how you choose to play the game. But uh, that is, by all accounts, possibly an even harder fight. So we'll see how long that ends up taking me. Uh... But yeah, uh, really good uh, music, really uh, great art. There's some very strange... One of the tricks that they've kind of pulled is that uh, bonus bosses are the only ones that use, like, voice samples in music. Hmm. So uh, the bonus boss of Chapter 2 uses a remix of the thing that I sent you, where it's just constantly playing a... Uh, or I should say, they, the only ones that use voice samples as part of their dialogue are bonus bosses so far. Because Jevil and the bonus boss of Chapter 2 both use uh, voice samples, but like like I said, the bonus boss of Chapter 2 is technically using a remix of someone that has that... Uh, of uh, Spamton's theme. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so you get you get a lot of that, and now's your chance to be a big shot. Nice. Now's your chance to be a big shot. But yeah, uh, uh, big into that. Uh, otherwise, I've been continuing to just uh, play weird things, as I have been for the past few weeks. A uh, bit more blood will tell. Uh, and as I was mentioning before we started the podcast, I played some Nightmare Before Christmas games because because it's October. That's that's really the reason. Nice. Uh, and if you didn't know that Capcom and Tose made two different Nightmare Before Christmas games in the mid aughts one of which functioning as a prequel to the movie and one of which functioning as a sequel, then now you know. Uh, and neither of them's bad. I forgot to ask, what the hell is the plot of the sequel one? Uh, I haven't gotten far enough in to fully understand what its plot is, other than Oogie, is, Oogie Boogie is back as like a horrible shadow monster. Well, that's weird. And is trying to take his... Like, he, he looks like Oogie Boogie, he just looks like he's an Oogie Boogie made out of shadows. Ooh. Um, but, yeah. Uh... 
so yeah, he's he's uh, you you fight him early in the uh, early in the game, and that's what was introducing me to like the weird mechanic. Like like I said before the podcast, that game plays like Devil May Cry. It was made by Capcom. It it kind of makes sense. Uh, but the thing that's very funny to me is when you're fighting a boss in Ogi's Revenge. Uh, when you do enough damage, they'll start dropping musical notes, and as you collect those, uh, you will uh, you will fill up a meter that when it's full, it goes into a rhythm segment where the game starts playing a song like the movie, and you do damage as you successfully navigate the rhythm segment. And like you do a lot more damage when you're doing the rhythm segment than just by trying to whack him to death. So it's 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 a cute way to incorporate the uh, fact that the movie is a musical into the game mechanics. Uh, so yeah, I've been enjoying that. Uh, but yeah, it, it's not an amazing game, but it's interesting. And uh, as mentioned before the podcast, I've been obsessed with the fact that the GBA game is a prequel. And it gives an origin story for Oogie Boogie that says he is the spirit of a holiday no one celebrates anymore because that holiday is Bug Day. And implies that the reason that he like came to Halloween Town and wants to uh, like take over Halloween is that he wants to essentially uh, slowly turn Halloween into essentially Bug Day. <laughs> so. Merry Bug Day to you too. <laughs> May we all celebrate the Bug Day season. The pumpkin tree. Sorry, I've got I've got nightmare. It's my songs in the brain. Yeah, now I'm just listening to a Boogie's song. Man, what a what a gorgeous movie. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And uh, because it's called Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, it's a title. No one actually remembers who directed it. Yeah, I didn't even realize it wasn't him until I watched something about it. But yeah, it was Henry Selleck, who continued to work in stop-motion animation. Uh, apparently, he has another stop-motion film coming out next year. Nice. I'd have to look into that. Oh, it's a stop-motion film with a script by himself and Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key, who are both very talented as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's... I am suddenly quite interested in this. Uh, well, this guy's voiced by Snake, isn't he? Uh, yes, that is David Hader. Uh, for those not watching, Wheels is playing Bloodstained, and he just ran into uh, Sonic soon. But, uh, yeah, uh, let's see, uh, but yeah, I've been messing around with that, uh, those games are silly and weird. Uh, the GBA game is a Metroidvania of some description. Not an amazing one, but a decent one as far as I can tell. Uh, 
Yeah, you should you should be careful of that apparently. Um, hey, fun fact, we used magic there instead of oh well poking him with my trying spear. to stab him in the head. Yeah, but yeah. Hey, we also want to know a fun fact. Yes, you're gonna fight this guy more than once, and he's gonna be way harder next time. Uh, <laughs> but that oh, won't be I did it again. Later. Good thing it bugged out. <laughs> I think you were just, uh... Oh. Well, lucky for you, he bugged out on you. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh... So, yeah, that's, that's been kind of fun. Uh... Those games aren't amazing, but I would call them at least cute and kind of memorable in their weird uh, of-the-era way. Uh... You all need to make. You all need to cook more food. That's, that's, you're missing out on some good healing items. But, uh, <sighs> so yeah, I've been I've been messing around with those. Uh, but, uh, oh yeah, and I started a. I, yeah, that means he's moved on to his second phase. But, uh, oh yeah, I also started a replay of Kingdom Hearts 3 on Critical Mode. I finally imported my save from the from my PS4 save so I could New Game Plus off of that. Because, mm. darn it, I put in the work to get the Ultima weapon, and I wanted to have it. Nice. And it's, you know, it's Kingdom Hearts 3. It's very fun. Uh the Ultima Weapon makes the game more doable on Critical Mode. Critical Mode is still really hard. Uh, like it is uh, every bit the equal of playing something like Devil May Cry 5 on like Son of Sparta Mode or something. Uh, and, you know, demonstrates that Kingdom Hearts is actually a very good action game. Mm. But I've talked about that many times in the past, so... But the story is bonkers. Well, yes, yes, it is. So are all of your favorite stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, one day I want to write a like critique of the Kingdom Hearts story that's more focused on how it's clearly a story that was written because they weren't sure how much story they were going to have to write. Mm -hmm. uh, which is, I think, a much more interesting direction to approach the strange narrative that uh, came out of it than just saying, oh, it's weird. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, those are that's, that's what I've been playing, other than things that no one should discuss, like Donkey Kong 64. So. Just absolute trash. Um, yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, more to discuss soon. But... Hey, uh, if you're interested in more of that, I've got a lot of write-ups about some of the weird things I've been playing that will be going up on that Patreon blog. Uh, let's see. Oh, and uh, do we both have impressions of trying out Sora in Smash Brothers Ultimate? Not downloaded him yet. 
Wow. I tried him out immediately. Yeah, I should get on that. Uh, he's fun. It's good. Uh, he's very light. He's very uh, combo oriented. His individual attacks do not do much damage at all. Uh, he's not lacking for kill moves though. It's like it's not hard to find moves that will send your opponent flying once you've built up their percentage. Uh, his his recovery error has up special. I should say it is. Uh, Actually, very good at doing damage in general. Uh, like, uh, well, it, it both does damage and it sends the opponent flying upwards, which can be very useful on stages with low ceilings because it's like it's actually very easy for that to kill at a reasonable percentage. But yeah, he, he's all about. Uh, Moving, moving around, and uh, keeping control of the fight via combos rather than big hits. Um, I've definitely spotted uh, moves that are very, very obviously punishable. <laughs> uh, although uh, they're also generally kind of hard to deal with themselves. Like his side special, that's a reference to Sonic Blade from uh, Kingdom Hearts One, uh, that has him like lunge back and forth across the battlefield. It'll auto-target uh, opponents. Uh, once he's done that, until he lands, he really can't do anything else, which makes it both a dangerous recovery option, although it's a good one, but also uh, one where, as he's recovering from it, his opponent essentially has carte blanche to do something horrible to him. <laughs> so, you gotta be careful. But he can, he can dart around the battlefield and he can get a jump as he can jump in the uh within the same league as like kirby in terms of like actual air clearance Jeez. So, he's just got to know how to use that but yeah he's fun excellent um what's the news i want to talk about oh um So, there was some news about a Diablo-ish game recently. No, not Diablo. Yeah, you would have just said Diablo. Yes. And then I would have ramp, uh, lambasted you for bringing up Diablo. Uh, but what's this Diablo-ish game? It's Minecraft Dungeons. Uh, what about it? Uh, so, they had like their yearly Minecraft event recently, and they've announced that there's going to be ongoing content for... Minecraft Dungeons. Like, they just finished uh -huh. up the latest little DLC, and now it's doing some kind of seasonal stuff, which uh, includes a battle pass, but a free one. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be, like, free stuff you can earn as, like, these seasonal things go on. Um, but essentially, there's going to be continued content for, for the game, which is good news, because it's, it's an underrated... Uh, dungeon crawler game like that with like s simple mechanics but um there's still a lot of depth to it and i think a lot of people that aren't kids that just like minecraft stuff are probably missing out on the game because it didn't necessarily review well when it first came out and was kind of yeah. light on content so uh Definitely recommend people that like Minecraft check out Minecraft Dungeons because it's very good, very fun, mm -hmm. and 
actually can be quite challenging. So it's good news. Mm. More, more ongoing content for that. Hmm. That was the only thing of note. Obviously, more stuff coming to Minecraft proper, but that's not really an RPG. So that, that, that's perennial. That's not news. Yeah. So, yeah. More Minecraft dungeons, I guess. Good to know that they'll keep supporting that. Yeah, more Minecraft stuff continues to be way better than it ever was under its original quote-unquote creator. Long ago. But, yeah. Screw that guy. More like Minecraft Fungeons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can probably hit a question or two that was left on episode 229. Let me just double-check that we didn't get any... No, it's like 229. Uh, we get a question from a certain from certain someone saying, nice episode, but I think it's missing something. 221 being the episode where we were missing good friend Gaijin. Oh, yes. Oh, the, the episode where I was sick? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Any... Which Gaijin commented on saying, good episode, but it's missing something. <laughs> Uh, but let's see. Uh, here's one that we can probably briefly touch on. This one's from Crawl. Uh, any favorite games for Halloween? How does this time of year, if at all, affect what you play? Uh, uh, I may replay Dead Space. <laughs> so I was trying to wait I've... for the uh, remaster. Every year I check how well the Fatal Frame games emulate and find that they emulate quite poorly hmm. and uh, put them off for another year. <laughs> That's right, I have to finish playing Resident Evil, so... But yeah, uh... Yes, yes, you do. Dead, Dead Space was one of the scariest experience ever because I stupidly played it when I was home by myself and turned off all the lights. In the dark. That was dumb. That game is... Let's freaking. talk about playing Resident Evil 7 in VR. Oh, <laughs> that is a, that is quite a game when like the shaking is actually like if you get nervous and start shaking, your aim gets worse. <laughs> oh God! Because your the aim in the VR version is down the center of the of your line of sight. So that's uh. I missed a lot of shots in that place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in general, I pull out things that are themed. Like, I mean, pulled out Nightmare Before Christmas because of Halloween. But, you know, uh, just, just generally themed. I don't typically go looking like I need to get spooked. I don't... Like, I enjoy spooky games. I don't particularly feel the need to be like, oh, I'm terrified. It's just like, no. I'll just play things that feel thematically fun. Like, I've been uh, batting at finally properly playing the clock tower games and those are those are spooky but they're also point and click adventure games um, yeah I mean I may just play like some Dark Souls for 
for Halloween or something. That's fine. Something... I mean, that's macabre enough. Yeah. <laughs> Not blasphemous, though. No, thank you. <laughs> too yeah. Macabre. Uh... But yeah, as it turns out, like, so PS2 emulation has come along. Oh, that's a bit of information, of uh, news that I feel like is interesting worth bringing up in terms of preservation. Uh, the one PS3 emulator of any note, uh, RPCS3, has reported that there are no longer any games that just cause the emulator to crash when they attempt to boot. That doesn't mean that all of them play. Heck, some of them don't even actually get to the menu, but they don't cause the... They boot successfully. Well, that's a start. Uh, I, I like think like 70% of games are playable, which means that they you can finish them, whether there are issues with that or not. And like another like 27 or so percent where, uh, you know, the game functions on some level. Like it's it's much better than trying to emulate essentially any of the Xboxes, sadly. Uh, what kind of computer yeah. do you need to emulate a PS3? Uh, you you generally need something that is capable of playing games, modernish games. But I mean, you know, that's about that's about what you'd expect. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So. If you if you find yourself missing a PS3 game that's no longer supported by any company, uh, maybe see what you can do about uh, pulling out your old copy and seeing how an emulator can help you. <laughs> hey, it sounds like they're farther along than uh, Saturn emulation was. Saturn emulation actually does function now, although it's not it's not accurate in a way that bothers me. But honestly, it's probably a benefit to most people. Yeah. Uh, which is to say, most of the games run at above their original frame rate. <laughs> and I'm the kind of, like, lunatic that honestly wants games that ran badly originally to run badly in emulation. <laughs> at least as an option. Yeah, but The open source emulator for that is actually what you want to go to now, uh which it did not used to be the case. You used to have to get some weird emulator whose name I can't remember. Uh, you might be talking about Yabose, you might be talking about SSF. Well, Yabose is the open source one. I think SSF is the one. Yeah, that was a very closed source, very uh, Windows specific one. Yeah. Uh, Yabose works. There's also the, the core that's used by RetroArch and Mednathan that is uh distinct from those and works quite well as well. Oh, it's a different code base. Oh well you yeah. did not expect that. Just change direction midair. That's annoying. Yeah. Yeah, he gets he gets tough. But uh Yeah. Uh you can actually play Saturn games. It really is the original Xbox that's like trapped at this stage. It's weird. Uh, it's mostly just for a long time there was a lack of there was an assumed lack of software and interest and that's a shame because there's a lot of weird Sega games that you can only play there uh, I hope you I hope you aren't a fan of Crazy Taxi High Roller just at Radio Future or Gun Valkyrie or uh, I, mean, can, I, can multitude. I can understand interest wise it's just like wasn't that just like a 
essentially a PC hardware wise? It's, it's like uh, it's it's mostly the apparently sound drivers are a big part of it. Uh, like they're very specific and custom built. But yeah, uh, and like Microsoft has been pretty good about a lot of the more desirable software is playable Ninja Gaiden Black, uh, that sort of thing. But like, there's still a bunch of stuff that like is just kind of trapped there. Uh, Jet Set Radio Future kind of can't come back, which is a shame. Uh, specifically, uh, JSRF uh, had a bunch of songs that were. Composed and or remixed by a couple of the Beastie Boys for a record label that hasn't existed since 2003. And God only knows who has the rights to those. Which is a shame, because Jet Set Radio feature is incredible. Damn. Jet Set Radio. But yeah. Uh, that, that is like the target game that they're trying to get running on the current attempts at Xbox emulation. So that is the most playable Xbox game in terms of emulation. But there's a bunch of other ones that, like, the aforesaid uh, Crazy Taxi High Roller, which is the best Crazy Taxi game. It has all the content of 1 and 2. It has a new city. It has, And when I say all the content, I mean even the soundtrack yeah. of 1 and 2. It has a new city in its own soundtrack. And it uh, retroactively puts the Crazy Jump and multiple fares from Crazy Taxi 2 into Crazy Taxi 1. A uh, uh, thing that I don't think any other version ever did. Even the PSP version that was a compilation of 1 and 2, I don't think does that. <laughs> There's some weird from software game on Xbox that I'd love to be able to play. Uh, is it Metal Wolf Chaos? Because that's been important. No, it's not Metal Wolf Chaos. It's something else. Otogi Myth of Demons? Yep, that's the one. Yeah, Otogi Myth of Demons and Otogi 2 Immortal Warriors. Uh, Sega published sort of uh, character action games by from software. Uh, very beloved, especially at the time. Never re-released. Unclear why, since honestly it shouldn't actually be a problem to get those two to come out. It just yeah. seems like there hasn't been enough impetus to bring them back. But, you know, both both beloved, both would be nice to see come back. There's nothing that should keep them from coming back, but... Here we are. No one's ever worked it out. Lame. Uh, but yeah. Generally, it's kind of a lost, uh, a lost system in terms of its uh, exclusives of the stage, except for the ones that Microsoft has managed to rescue. You can play Breakdown now on your X-Bone and Series X, and that's still a really cool game. Yeah. It's a first-person puncher. Nice. Did you finally beat Sangetsu? Yes, I did. GG. Yes, I got the, uh, got the patterns. Yeah, he's a very doable boss. He's just a tough boss. You know, I think, uh, um, I gotta say, my time with Metroid Dread has got me more patient with, like, okay, this is a beatable boss. I just like boss to... patterns. Yes, learning <laughs> boss patterns. Like, I nice, think, nice. I think, not that I'm, not to go back to Metroid Dread yet again, but I think, um, as far as the discussion of that game being too hard goes, it's just like uh, I think some people may be too trained to just want to go in and fire a bunch of missiles or uh, 
what am I trying to say? Taking this away from only talking about Metroid Dread, I think there's a lot of cases where the discussion of difficulty, I don't want to say ignores people playing the game wrong, but it's like, this isn't difficult. You're just not really... You haven't learned how to play it yet. You haven't, yeah. And The way I would describe it... Sorry, uh, you go no, let's go ahead. Uh, the, the thought process I've had, I've, uh, I've been kicking around this issue, uh, debating with myself while writing an essay that will hopefully be up sometime in November. But uh, sometimes the difficulty curve of a game is not actually built to be frictionless, is I guess the way I would describe it. A lot of games, uh, especially current ones, the trend is towards uh, frictionless difficulty. Uh, in the sense of you feel challenged, but you never get stopped. You never get slowed down. And in many cases, that is wise. Like, there are certain genres or, like, moods that a game is trying to create where that's intentional and a, a desired outcome. But it is also possible for a game to be, to deliberately have points where it, like, sort of holds you back and forces you to slow down. Mm. And I think that uh, it's it's worth noting that uh, I think that there are things like that in essentially all of the Metroid games. But yes. that a lot of the uh, discussion around them is from people who have played them a lot. Right. And who don't remember or think about the friction they felt on those initial playthroughs. And I think that that's true of a lot of time. Like that's that's one of the things that like sadly turns into gatekeeping over time. It's like the I got through it. It's not that hard. And it's like you don't remember what it was like when it was hard. Right. I, but I, I, I actually, do think that I actually still do remember being so incredibly frustrated with Super Metroid and finally realizing that oh I have to super bomb this glass bridge. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't have defenses for the Meridia Bridge, but uh, really, it's, it's... I, I think that is a bad setup, set and I, yeah. I think it's cute in terms of like treating the world as like a as pre using your uh, weapons in a way that goes against just the prescribed. This is how this world, uh, how things get opened up in this world, is interesting, and I think you can point to all sorts of like evidence of like, well, this is how you're supposed to know, but like. And again, this is kind of a preview for the essay. Uh, when the player is new, they cannot sort good information from bad information. Mm -hmm. They don't have a way of looking at something and understanding, like looking at the details of the environment and understanding what parts of it are a hint and what parts of it are decoration. And that, that I would feel is the problem that is not going to be uh, that that gets lost for a lot of older players. Certainly not all, but you know, and that that's what leads them to think of the games as frictionless, as like perfectly tuned. And it's like, no, they aren't. And they kind of aren't supposed to be a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, especially Metroid uh, creates a veneer of unfriendliness because that is the mood that it intends to create of surviving and overcoming a hostile environment. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and like it, it is fair to decide that you find a game frustrating and you just don't want to bother with it. Anymore. Yeah, that's 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 totally fine. But there's 
There's a difference. There is no merit in. And it it can be like, it it is also acceptable to point out that like, sometimes like you weren't playing it the way that like it was intended. And sometimes the game communicates that bad. Like this is such a long nuanced discussion. Like difficulty is a long and nuanced discussion, but like it is worth noting that, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's just a complicated uh, set of circumstances uh, around just about anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if we, if we talk about the boss I just fight, for example, like I think some people might go in and get destroyed and be like, well, this game is way too hard. Whereas going through it now, I just tried it a few times. It's like, okay, he telegraphs all his attacks. Yeah, he's a very old-school boss yeah, in that sense. You just have to take your time, and I think a lot of times, um, you know, and made this is this is not even just a problem with games. That impatience is a general societal problem <laughs> at the moment. I would say. I, I yeah. mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, every I you know, in entertainment, I would consider it the least of its problems because it's like we are inundated with entertainment. Yeah. True. But yeah, like in general, you know, there's there's a you know a necessity that like sometimes things just take time. Yeah, and there can be worth in just in the fact that they took time. Sometimes. Right. But yeah, it, it's a complicated issue. Uh, we can maybe discuss more dedicatedly at some point. But... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, kind of hoping Gaiden would be here by now. Sure, it happens. But yeah, this is unusual for him. Hope everything's okay. Uh, there's another uh, question that he'll probably be better equipped to answer from Crawl, but I'll give the short version in case we don't get him tonight for some reason. Sure. Uh, which was. Uh, what is the PC gaming market like in Japan? Are any big developers or publishers still PC first, like often used to be? Uh, mostly companies that make uh, games of the erotic persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like no, no. Like, a lot of companies will uh, develop for PC. That's why you're seeing more. Uh, Steam ports of Japanese games, but I think that's more a consequence of the nature of modern consoles being very PC-like, and thus it's very convenient to develop on PC. But uh, as a general rule, the market still just isn't huge there, as far as I can tell. And, you know, Gaijin may correct me later, but, uh, you know, it's not the... It's. I think it's probably growing, but I don't think it's huge. I think, yeah. uh, you know, Switch and mobile are still kind of the place that those uh, it, are still kind of the big deals there. Uh, just, you know. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, this um, is the... I was just going to say that Falcom switching away from being a primary PC developer to me was kind of telling. Yeah, it, it's one of those. PC market in Japan. Yeah, like it, it was. It reached a point where like the 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 scope of the games they wanted to make 
versus the size of the audience they could possibly attract. But yeah, I feel like a lot of the Japanese PC gamer market has very much moved into uh, the hard, like the kind of person who's hardcore about specs like the Western market. And also the kind of person who's very enthusiastic about Western style games. Uh, yeah. Um, what are you looking for? Oh yeah, you were just checking shortcut. What is it? I'm confused. It just le it lets you swap uh, loadouts. Oh. Oh, okay, that's sweet. Yeah, you can get to the point where you can have eight loadouts that you can freely swap between. It's really nice, good actually. Stuff yet to make loadouts, but that will be handy, I'm sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah. Um, you can maybe... Berserk Alucard had a number of questions in this one. It's lovely to see that many uh, come in. Uh, quick fire round. Try not to elaborate too much for a bit because, well, that's what makes it interesting with you guys. Thank you. Uh, favorite RPG class or job? Wizard. <laughs> uh, I'm actually partial to, like, monks. There's something nice about just having the one character in the party that you don't have to worry about the equipment of. They, they will level up and they will hit like a train and you may regret how much damage that they're taking, but I mean, they are very simple and easy to deal with. Oh, I heard about uh, the third shortcut unlock. Nice. Yeah, uh, and of course, uh, Wizard was... I, I was expecting Wizard from you immediately. Yeah. Your love of Wizbiz is well documented. Uh, we will, of course, go back to these with guys. Uh, favorite weapon type, sword, hammer, etc. I mean, for me, it's kind of just sword by default because so many... It, it's it's used as, like, the middle ground of most games' weapon trees, yeah. and I generally like things like that. <laughs> no huge weaknesses, no huge... Uh, no, like, perfect... Uh, like strengths, but losing the huge weaknesses is nice. Weapon. That's... What the hell are you doing? I don't know. Uh, I think I should not have dropped down here. It just it just took you back to the end of the castle. Yeah. Um, favorite weapon. Uh, it's that's that's a really tough question. I can't believe it's a wizard staff. <laughs> I put on my bows. robe and wizard's hat. I want to. My temptation is to say bows, except that that's my favorite weapon in games that aren't RPGs. Like, um, both Fortnite and Apex Legends have bows that are really fun to use. But like, you're not gonna see me using bows in the Dark Souls, for example. What if a gun didn't scream every time you fire? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I suppose we could uh, move it down to types. Do you like the speedy weapons or the big heavy weapons? Yeah. I, I'm going to answer this based purely on my preferences in Monster Hunter. That's fair. That's, that's a um, game with a lot of weapons with a lot of types. I like generally prefer weapons that offer defense. Like So I'm hmm. not necessarily 
big on two-handed weapons. I'd prefer to be able to use a shield or gotcha. alternatively dual wield. Mm. Uh, so something that's a bit more... It, it either has to give you an option or be all offense all the time. Yeah, so that's why two of my favorite weapons in that game are the gun lance, which you use a shield with, and the charge blade, which is a sword and shield that alternates to a... Uh, Basically a giant two-handed sword or axe, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I think it's more an axe. Um, but it's still got like that defensive ability. Um, thinking about big axes, and I'm now thinking about something from Delta Ring that I think is funny. Bring it up later, though. <laughs> but ultimately, I could also, in terms of defense, just play with a long-range weapon, which I'm totally fine with, like, to go right back to bonus. you just like to be able to keep your defense right uh i mean i have i have been spending more time learning with weapons where your only defense is to properly dodge attacks yeah i'm a dodge roll kind of guy so i tend to like favor weapons that are like fast and offensive but like defensively weak so yeah. so i mean i'm trying to get past my preference there and expand my horizons but that's that's still where my strength is like I can tank the hell out of a monster in um, Monster Hunter with like, with the gun lance. Just mm. sitting there right next to it, shield up, poking it, fully blocking when I need to. It's mm. I, I really enjoy uh, doing fights like that. Although, I, like I said, I've been forcing myself not to of late just to try and um, learn learns some more styles. Mm. Uh, looking further... Uh, favorite RPG subgenre? Tactical, first-person dungeon crawler, action, turn-based, etc. Uh, I'm a big action RPG guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go there too. And some people may say, like, uh, but Rogue Lights, which... That's that's a genre with many subgenres itself, so I don't think I can really. There are even action roguelikes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with action RPGs. And... It just has a lot of space, design space that has been explored and is still being explored, yeah, which helps a lot. Exactly. Like I can play Kingdom Hearts and Dark Souls, and they are. Completely different, even though they fulfill a lot of the same things yeah. that I want. They still feel like very unique experiences. Yeah. I mean, I could play Dark Souls and play Minecraft Dungeons, and those two are worlds apart, but they're both action yeah. RPGs. And, yep. Yeah. I think the thing that I love the most about action RPGs and the reason that I find it such a compelling genre to see explored is that you can really, like, every game has a different balance of how much it's an action game and how, mm -hmm. much, how much it's an RPG. And, like, uh, because those are so... Uh, it, it is... You can, like, down to the game, have a different idea of how much each of those is important to the game design. And that means that there's inherently just a lot of variety. And it's like, when you play something like a, turn, a tactics RPG... I love those, but they are a much more uh, clean fusion. Like, the things that they're doing, they're, they're modifying 
uh, an RP, a genre that's fundamentally uh, much closer to a turn-based RPG than they are to a uh, non than they are uh, to any other genre. So you like the fusion is so complete that it's harder to like. There are certainly plenty of unique ideas and different takes on the strategy RPG genre. But they they tend to fall into a few like schools of thought, so to speak, about how the balance should function. And you know, it you can't do as many wild things with a tactics RPG, or at least I don't see as many people doing as many wild things with a tactics RPG as you do with action RPGs. And of course, first person dungeon crawlers are uh, often subgenres of both turn based and. Uh, that's true. Action RPGs. But, yeah. I think that's that's what makes Action RPG the compelling one to me, is that you can point out off sub-genres of this sub-genre. Yeah. Like, that it is, a, it is strong enough to be a genre unto itself. Separate and distinct from just being an action game or RPG. Yeah. I think there could be a lot more that can be done with tactical RPGs, like just look oh, at Valkyria Chronicles, for instance, but it just feels like that's such a niche genre already that if you try and do weird things... Uh, you risk alienating the new, the, the old audience without finding a new one. Right. Like, as good as Valkyria Chronicles is, for example, it... It still never found much of an audience. And it still struggles to find an audience, despite lot, heaps of praise, beautiful graphics, yeah. etc. Which yeah. sucks. Like, um, if if you think four sold well, um, uh, the it did kind of eventually, but uh, after they dropped the price a number of times. Yeah, I that poor game. I have a sealed uh, collector's edition for X Xbox One collector's edition that I think I got for like 30 bucks or less. It may have been 20. I am trying to think of an audience mismatch. Like, it, there really is, has been so little cultivation of the Japanese RPG onto the Xbox. I am trying to think of an audience less primed to play a game than the Xbox audience to the uh, Valkyrie games. <laughs> Which sucks. I, I think that there probably are plenty of people on that platform that would play those, but, you know, there hasn't been enough push to acclimate that audience to them, and I'm not sure that there's any uh, will to do so at this stage. Yeah. You would, honestly, for some publishers, I'm sure that it actually is uh, preferable to them that they don't have to think about as many platforms. It's like, we will make plenty on, like, Switch and PlayStation owners making this kind of game. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Action RPG. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure Gaijin else... will have a different... Okay. One last thing about Valkyria. I'm just wondering if like this boon of XCOM-style games that seems to be happening, if that had happened earlier, if maybe that would have... Valkyria might have had more yeah. of a chance. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, although XCOM is yet another different take on the whole thing. Right. You know, and, and not that it's that similar to that, but just maybe people would it, it have realized more drawn from one to the other right. that 
Yeah, they, they, they have more in common with XCOM than they do most other tactical. Right. Remember Codename Steam? I do, I like that game a lot. That was very Valkyria-esque, and that did not sell at all. Bombed like hell. Yeah, and it's, it's a shame. It was a really, it was clearly a project someone was passionate about because it's yeah. full of weird like choices that don't get made just because Mar like no marketing team looks at the ideas in that and says, "Yeah, that's that's the game you need to be making." Yeah, I'm not really sure uh, why he did bomb too, because that's the perfect platformer for it too. Like platform for it, yeah. Switch was great. Well, 3DS, sure. I mean, but yeah. Sorry, 3DS was. You know, booming the, the niche, and it was yeah, that was like the strongest period for strategy RPGs in years. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I do want I do find myself wondering like it was maybe just a bit too out there. Like its entire premise, its art style, uh, being very influenced by like Mike Mignola is like extremely strange, even for a Western studio to see it from a Japanese one. It's wild. Yeah, I know there's some controversy about the voice actor selection, but I don't think that was enough to completely tank. The I don't think that's what caused it. Yeah, I think, like, I, yeah, I, I feel like that was a conversation that was only allowed to have as much uh, influence on the discourse of the game simply because there just weren't that many people talking about it in general. Yeah. Like for good and ill, like I don't feel like that conversation would have been as big if more people were just talking about the game in general. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, let's let's do one that we can both probably have something to say about, and one that I've yelled about in the past. Uh, favorite Dragon Quest monster family slash type, e.g., slimes in Dragon Quest and such. Sea Dragon Warrior monsters and stuff. Sham Hatwitch. I'm gonna go with that one too. I can't. I can't think of anything better than that. I I, I was actually like yelling about this on Twitter because I saw someone else like talking about how much they love the Sham Hatwitch, and I was like, I have been shouting about this for two years. The Sham Hatwitch is the best monster type that Toriyama has made since the slime. Yeah, that's perfect. Like, there's there. It's so dumb it's so adorable the names are for all of them are so stupid i love them uh i think i shouted about this on the dragon quest 11 backtrack as well it's uh it's fantastic uh viva la sham hat witch favorite pokemon type i assume that's in terms of uh, typing rather than family, although we could do both. Uh, well, thank you for the follow YJF. Yo! I assume that's how you say the name, or it's... You know what, I'm not going to try and say it. YJF? YJF? Sure, YJF. YJF, uh, in any case. Thank you for Wait, how, did you, how did this... How does find its way up to 10 viewers? <laughs> oh, I just, I hosted, Phil was down on the RP Gamer channel, so I just hosted my channel rather than doing the double stream at this point. That makes sense. That's just more sensible. Uh, but yeah. Um, 
Let's see. But yeah, I, I suppose for favorite Pokemon, uh, this was kind of the case when I was uh, ever since Gen One. But I, I just like EVs. I like all the EVs. The EVs are great. I know that's a boring answer. Uh, as for favorite type, uh, honestly, probably electric. They're speedy. <laughs> well, that's a cool electric. It's a cool electric poison in Sword and Shield. Yeah, I always like uh, that's that's my true favorite type overall. Is whenever there's a weird type combination that you don't see very often, like that immediately finds its way into my Pokemon. Uh, so like uh, I remember one Rain of the Star, Pokemon I fairy, had. Dark Fairy. It's a good one from. Sword oh yeah, those those ones that are like diametrically opposed. There was a. I used in my uh, black and white playthrough Sigilyph, which was a psychic flying weirdo that I absolutely adore. Absolutely bizarre looking. I really like Sigilyph. I've caught a bunch of those in <laughs> Pokemon Go. Yeah, really like no, they're one of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, uh, generally just a big fan of those. And of course, I have a special place in my heart for all grass starters. Uh, Rowlet for the win. Love Rowlet. Uh, but yeah. Um, glad to see Rowlet coming back for uh, Legends Arceus. But uh, yeah. Um, favorite role tank, DPS. Uh, well, heal, etc. Oh yeah, you need to give your answer. Uh, dragon types. <laughs> I've always liked uh, uh, the dragon types, and because um, dragons are cool, but um, I think Pokemon does some cool things with the dragon types. Yeah. Like a lot of the legendaries that are dragon types are pretty cool, like uh, the black and white ones. That have like jet engine tails and shit. Yeah. There's a lot of cool designs there, and there was a cool um, what the hell's his name? The dragon ghost type in Sword and Shield. Really, really appreciated. Yeah, what was that? Let me check this. Uh, the one I really liked was uh, Jangmo O from uh, Sun and Moon. Mm. It's it's like uh, what is it? It's dragon and like electric. But it doesn't have any wings or anything, so it's just like this really cool, like armored design. It's it's great. I've always always liked the design for those. The final evolution of that dragon ghost was uh, Dragapult. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was a great name. Yeah, it fires like little mini, <laughs> little mini dragons. As missiles. Yeah, it's a Dragapult. Cool. Yeah. But... Dragons, uh, but also the, the the legendaries in Sword and Shield, I really really like. Also, Sun and Moon. Oh yeah, yeah. They've been they've been real good. Although, fuck Solgaleo and Smash whenever someone summons him against me. Freaking. Oh, uh, that was incredible. <laughs> Betrayed by. That happened my like three times. <laughs> that happened like three times in the last Smash session. It did. It's incredible. Uh, let's see. Uh, 
And did you have like a favorite general type? Okay, then no. Um, <laughs> just give me dragons, dragons, all the dragons. Make a party mm. of dragons, and then get wiped out by a single fairy type. Here you go. Give me the dragon types. Let's see, favorite role: tank, DPS, heal, etc. Uh, I don't really play MMOs, but in general, DPS. <laughs> well, I mean, you can kind of see those roles outside of. Oh, yeah, it's just, like, you most often see them. Like, yeah. if you're taking only one role, then it usually means that you're playing an MMO with a group of people. But, like, if I'm just building out a character with a focus, it's usually DPS. Yeah. I would like my, I would like my fights to go as quickly as possible. Win, lose, or draw, it's over. Although it's funny, I used to play in Xenoblade 1 and 2, I played, like, tanky characters a lot. Just because if you're only gonna one control one character, I do like to You might as well keep the one <laughs> keep the one that right. you're controlling alive. Yeah, it's either that or played the healer, just because it gives you more control over battles in those games, because obviously That's you're only fair. controlling one character at a time and not directly controlling the others, so I feel like if you're playing a tank. Since they're kind of the most important since they're right. the ones managing all that damage. Yeah, I feel like if you're playing a tank or a healer in those games, then you have a lot more control over the flow of battle than you would just like a pure DPS. You can control mm -hmm. like who... With a tank, you control who's going to be attacked because you're going to use a bunch of things that make you the focus of attacks, and then you can like bunker, d hunker down and whatnot. You, you make that decision and you prepare yourself for it. Or if you're playing the healer, you can just... Keep things, keep things. Under you keep control. everyone managed. Yeah. Uh, Whereas uh, if you're playing when the DPS characters in that, then we have to just focus on damage and uh, pray your AI is that everyone else is managing well. Yes, which doesn't always work out. Yeah. Uh, favorite elemental magic: fire, water, earth, wind, etc. Uh, uh, give me wind. Doesn't show up that often. Usually, unique when it does. Doesn't really count, but I like ice. I mean, that's an elemental type. Yeah, give me ice. Uh, I was born in the winter. And I like cold shit. That's fair. Let's see. Um, magic or melee, or both? Uh, melee. Magic. And we also use whizbiz. Yeah, we do whizbiz. <laughs> Favorite setting, fantasy subgenres, high fantasy, low fantasy, sci-fi, steampunk, cyberpunk, etc. Give me steampunk. Um... I like... Okay. I don't like to pick one. I like a variety. I like to change it up. I love, I love a variety, but it's yeah. like if I, I I like steampunk in part because it brings in a lot of different yes, bits like true. of genre because you can do you can have technology, but it's still like grounded in fantasy and such. But you know, yeah, obviously, I'll, I'm I'll not super wet. No, I'm gonna go with that too. <laughs> I mean, 
Because like you, you get into some of those genres like cyberpunk and sci-fi, and like it, it gives more of a direct idea of what has to be happening. And same with like high high fantasy and low fantasy. Like it gives it, it gives more structure to the world, whereas like steampunk is pretty chaotic about how it's going to be. Like certainly there is quote unquote the classical steampunk that's very Victorian and shit, but that definitely is not as much a requirement as as certain facets of like cyberpunk are or uh, high fantasy or low fantasy that sort of thing let's see hello 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 a gaijin appears he's here we were starting to worry we wouldn't hear from you no remember I, this is about the um, quickest i can come after my last class of the day Right now. Oh, I remember now. Oh, okay. We're yeah, just just wait until the time change happens for you guys again, and then it will be a little sooner. From your perspective. Yeah. Yay, daylight savings time, but also fuck you, daylight savings time. Well, it's going to go away, so. Yeah, whatever. I That's what happens next. It goes away. So, hello, Tam. Right. Welcome. Hey, Tam. Whereas Japan just doesn't bother with it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Gaijin, you been playing anything new? <laughs> oh, I'm still in the middle of Nino Kuni 2. Nice. Okay. And this game's relationship with the in game timer is making the kingdom building aspect a whole lot easier than it should be. It's <laughs> <laughs> because I'm quite sure I should not have every single citizen at maximum level right now, and I do. Whoops. Uh, that's the joy of sleep mode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially since, I mean, they only actually level up twice, beginner to veteran to master. So, um, hmm. I was wondering why they don't have more levels, but then I realized, wait a minute, they, most games, or most players, should probably not have literally 400 hours on the clock right now. For the point yeah. I am at in the game. I'm sure that's like a, bu a bug-ish that they were aware of, but I can't help but wonder if they may be left it in on purpose. Mm -hmm. I know, I mean, it just happens. This isn't the first game that this has happened to me on with the Switch. Yeah, there, there are definitely games that do compensate potentially. Yeah. And other games that just don't really care because it has no real effect on gameplay. Yeah. So. But I mean, since this yeah. is a port of the PlayStation title and the PlayStations would not have this issue... You could put the PlayStation title into, like, most PlayStation 4s spend most of their time in sleep mode rather than properly turned off. That's also a good point. But, uh, okay. But the, the mechanisms of that sleep mode might be very different. <laughs> they probably are. Yeah. Uh, it's part of why it's so much easier for me to restart Switch games, even though they're both in sleep mode. <laughs> I remember discussing an article with you about two years ago where somebody was discussing this very thing as one of the pluses of the Switch is simply that your PlayStation has to re has to boot up and your Xbox has to boot up, but the Switch doesn't. Yeah, like you pop up on the Switch and like within a second you can be back into a game. Look at the cat. We also started so playing. Like the, of the article being that accessibility was the name of the game. Yeah, it's really useful to just be able to boot back into a game. Mm -hmm. PS5 still not quite there, not that instantly accessible. Um, but yeah, 
we had uh, done a couple of questions, but we wanted to okay. like double back to make sure we got your input. Oh yeah. Because there were actually there were some from Crawl on the episode. Any favorite games for Halloween? How does this time of year, if at all, affect what you play? Honestly, no. Unless somebody actually gives me a review code for something seasonal. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if somebody just decided to give me to send me a copy of Cthulhu Saves the World on some or Saves Christmas on something, I would play it and enjoy it for Christmas. <laughs> but I mean, but, I would yeah. play something specifically because it's the holiday. So, I mean, there's just too many games out there. Also, Tam offers Parasite Eve, and that's that's a good spooky RPG. Uh... Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of body horror at all. Yeah, and that's kind of like, all I've, of I've avoided Parasite that series. <laughs> yeah, I've avoided that series for that very reason. Yeah. So, just catching a clip of one of, the, the, uh, of the, one of the FMV sequences, I think in the second one, this made me think, no, no, never for me. Not this series. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, and then there was another question from Crawl. Also, sorry, I've got some think... stuff I'm packing right now, so I'm making noise. That's cool. That's cool. But Crawl had also asked something that you might have more, uh, more insight on. What is the PC gaming market like in Japan? Are any big developers or publishers still PC first, like Falcom used to be? Um, I, yeah. I mean the. It's hard to say because the most successful ones all um, were like Aqua Plus, Falcom, and Type Moon that all jumped their major series over to platforms once they got really popular. Um, yeah. But yeah, there is, I mean, the, there's still a really good indie scene for just for computers, uh, for the PC yeah. market. Man. The low barrier to um, entry. Yeah, I mean, though, a lot of them are now jumping over to Switch for the same reason, low barrier of entry, and Switch is just yeah. a little more friendly to some of their stuff than other other um, non-PC platforms. But yeah, um, I mean, the adventure, like visual novel market is still primarily PC. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's it comes in waves where the popul most popular series will all suddenly port to whatever the most VN-friendly system of the time is. Like, that's why PSP is loaded with them and why... The Vita got a ton at the end of its life cycle, too. Yeah, the PS2 has got a lot of those. That's where, like, Type Moon ends up making its jump. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of those, they only did the jump because they had the popularity on PC to begin with. Yeah, like, you, you use the PC to build your audience, and then you jump to the console after yeah. taking out all the porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what happened with Type Moon. That's what happened with Aqua Plus. That's what happened with um, what else? That's, that's basically Fal a lot. Falcom never had the porn part. Yeah. Yeah, Falcom uh, was just like really dedicated to the platform for reasons that I've never been aware <laughs> of. Just some of these. Maybe it was just the freedom of it. Studios get really focused on their personal philosophy. Yeah. 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 Wheels is having fun um, uh, messing with uh, Miriam's hair in bloodstains. What else? Um, oh, oh, you got to the, the barbershop? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, who else was that? Zune. Um, Zune still does a lot of his stuff PC first. Yeah, I think Zune himself, I don't think he's ever done anything off of the PC. It's just like he's yeah. granted the rights to, like, you can release this Toho game on consoles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they've practically like automated the procedure of getting permission to make a spin-off Toho game at this point. Yeah. 
Toho is like an open a lot source of those IP. Spinoffs were PC first as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, a lot of them are ways that Dojin companies find their way into development. Yeah. But yeah, but it's it's mostly just the smaller groups, uh, smaller companies that manage. There was recently a Mario Kart Double Dash knockoff that had Toho branding that just came out on Switch for some reason. Uh, yeah. Extremely strange. But... but yeah, um, but that's pretty much it. There's there's the visual novel market. There's the indie developers who are trying to get attention for themselves. There is Zune all by himself, and then <laughs> there is the porn market, which is which for obvious reasons has stayed PC. Yeah, as it turns out, no console uh, publisher still every console publisher is still disinterested in that. No, I mean there was there was that one game on 3DS, which I'm still not sure how that happened. Yeah, there yeah. like one of my favorite things when you look in the 90s is like the uh, periods where you can tell that a console is absolutely on the ropes by the fact that it starts allowing porn. Yeah, because there are there are like porn Sega Saturn games and there are porn PCFX games. I mean, granted, granted that one. I mean, okay, never mind. I'm thinking of two specific games on the 3DS towards the end that managed to cut out most of the material that you would consider outright porn, while obviously leaving in the implication of it. Mm -hmm. so. Uh. Tam brings up uh, what I assume is supposed to be bubble bath babes for the NES, but that's unlicensed, as are most of the NES porn games, like Miss Peach World. But uh, yeah, yeah, like I'm talking about, there were licensed Sega Saturn games that are just like this is brick rock paper scissors. Yeah, extremely strange. Yeah, and of course the two games I'm thinking for 3DS are Toj um, Toshin Toshi and um, Star Frost Amazons. Oh yeah, I remember those. That, the, the that's first the name one being fear into my heart. <laughs> yeah, the first one being an actual port of an actual Japanese porn um, dungeon crawler, with all the porn taken out. Yeah. And the other one being also a dungeon crawler, but what's the right word to describe this? A lesbian prison dom um, femdom fetish porn dungeon RPG. That's way more specific than you usually get when they're trying to sell the porn games legit. <laughs> oh no, I mean, this is not how they describe themselves, this is just what the game Oh was. yeah, no, I'm just saying in terms of like, the, the, the ones that get uh, the porn taken out of them and put on consoles are usually very vanilla. <laughs> yeah. No, this one has, um, has punishment games. Yeah, as Tam points out, Criminal Girls was close, and like that, it sounds like that and Criminal Girls are of a piece. <laughs> Very much so, yes. They are, um, except one was Vita mainly, and the other one somehow got it onto 3DS. Yeah. And granted, I mean, X-Tetra got onto 3DS somehow. That, that's uh... the one with the kissing minigame. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> the one with the non-gender specific kissing minigame. Just go for it. Yeah. So. The one with the toggles in the menu to uh, turn off the animations for the kissing minigame along gender lines. Let's see. Tam says I do like Criminal Girls. I'm not here to judge you. Um, let's see. Yeah. 
And then we were that's we were hitting. It can also be actually good games, but you don't really want to find out. It really is like at some point this content will turn off large portions of the theoretical user base. Yeah. Which is why it usually appears at the end or towards the end of a console's life cycle. Like when towards the end of a console. Yeah. Towards the end of a console's life cycle, and generally, like within the game, usually put in such a way that it can be easily removed. <laughs> but, let's see. Uh, and then we were hitting some of the uh, rapid fire questions that Berserk Alucard put in the uh, QA quest section. Favorite RPG class or job? Blue Mage. That's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. Okay. yeah I, I like the style, type. I like the superhero mask, I like the, the oh, concept. Yeah. Favorite weapon type? Favorite weapon type? You know, I'll, yeah. let's, let's go with the ring chakram from Secret of the Mana. I always thought those were awesome. <laughs> Uh, favorite favorite RPG subgenre: tactical, first-person dungeon crawler, RPG, uh, action, turn-based, etc. Oh dear. Fine. <laughs> Wales went with action because there's so much variety in there, but we figured that you might be different on that one. <laughs> I know. I mean, let's see. I'm currently playing something that's sort of like a Tales game, so action RPG there. And <laughs> before that, there was a tactical. There was a puzzler. Um, there was, a, I'm not quite sure what that one was. There was a roguelike, um, there was a standard, there was a really, really frenetic action standard. Um, <laughs> um, I've played like three Metroidvanias in, or four or five Metroidvanias in the last two years. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not the person to ask for favorite anything, to be honest. Um, fair enough. You can just say no, tro no comment. <laughs> If you can't come up with something, that's fine. Let's see. Uh, favorite Dragon Quest monster family? Slash type. I'll go with slimes. There's just so much that's variety true. and they're so cute. They're, that's the classic. I was I was making the argument earlier that uh, the sham hat, which is the best uh, new type since uh, the slime. So <laughs> oh, I do like the piggies with the, with the hats. Yeah, those are the sham hat, which... Okay, because I'm used to seeing them as Tom Barrero. Yeah, so. which is also a great name. That is a really good yes. name. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're, they're of wonderful design. They lend themselves to wonderful, stupid names. Um, yeah. Certainly, I would say, like I, like I said, they're the best since the slime, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, favorite Pokemon type? Not sure how much Pokemon you've played. <laughs> oh, tons of Pokemon. Um, I was okay. Like, okay, the first thing that pops to mind is Fairy for some reason, so yeah. <laughs> oh, you can defeat Wheels in a fight now because he said Dragon. <laughs> ah. That's true. Yep. Let's see. Uh, favorite role, tank, DPS, healing, etc. I am... Not a hundred percent sure what all of those are because I don't play the MMOs and I Tanks don't take really damage. DPS deals a lot of damage. Healing itself, you you can figure out healing. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I tend not to think in those terms with with games anyway. So I just okay. I just blow stuff up. Um, 
Favorite elemental magic, fire, water, earth, wind, etc. Can we go with something really weird? Um, <laughs> you know what? Um, oh, let's go with magical vacation. What was one of the fun ones there? Time. That's always fun. I mean, granted, magical vacation had like seventeen elements. <laughs> which was one of the cool things about it and one of the really annoying things about it. Reminds me of the early Persona games. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean... I think that has 20 it, elements. It had, a, uh, it had a circle of resistances and strengths mm -hmm. when what it needed was a web like Pokemon. Yeah. When it's a circle, it just means that a lot of them don't interact interestingly with each other. Yep. And plus that since every character in your party was aligned with a different element... Um, and you didn't have access to most of these characters at any given time of the game, and the monsters themselves came in a variety. Um, so quite often you had nothing that would actually um, do extra damage to some of these monsters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unless you were really lucky to have lots of friends for the uh, Amigo function and got all those magics for your main character. Um, you can guess how rare that was. Yeah, not... Not common. Not common. Yeah. I think the only time I've heard of anybody actually getting, like, the full 100 Amigos legitimately was when they went to a major convention in Japan in 1998. <laughs> As that was, was, like, right after the game was released and they actually found enough people to, who had it. It's time to go to Comicat in 2000. Yep. Uh, Tam uh, ventures out gravity. Uh... Yeah, gravity is a good one. Yeah, one of the ones, uh, one of my favorite like one-offs that I've never seen any other game have is uh, Kingdom Hearts Two introduced magnet element. Hmm, cool. Which was very, which was one of the strongest uh, magics in that game, uh, because basically what magnet spells do is they uh, they pull enemies uh, all together. Uh, and, oh, like, so sort of beat attraction. them against each other. Yeah. Yeah, um... I remember... Uh, I don't know if you remember, I, I reviewed this one game, like, literally 11 years ago, or 12 years ago. It was a mermaid game. Yeah. And, um... Um... The game itself tried to use the main, um, the classical elements, even though it was underwater. Mm-hmm. And um, just this reflects like would be um, less effective. I actually yeah, <laughs> I actually adapted um, the get part of the game to a. I basically did a fan novelization of the first half, mm -hmm. just for the hell of it. And so I changed all the elements to things that made more sense. <laughs> so I mean, we still had heat and cold, um, but we also had ebb and flow. Hmm. So, Makes as sense. two of the primary elements. That's a neat idea. So, yeah. So it just made a bit more sense than wind and water. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. More of these. Uh, magic or melee, or both? Um, 
honestly, a good mix is always good. But I mean, I will. I do have a certain uh, fondness for uh, flamethrowers. <laughs> but I play Metal Max too, so magic's not really one of the options in that game. Um, acids, acid cannons are. That's my favorite. That's a different kind of magic. Yeah. Do you believe in magic? Let's see. Favorite setting, fantasy sub-genre, sub high fantasy, low fantasy, sci-fi, steampunk, cyberpunk, etc. Oh dear, what have I written in? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, mean, it's, I've, I mean, I've done aforementioned mermaids, uh, so it's high fantasy there. I've done low fantasy, I've done urban, I've done um, renpunk, I've done... <laughs> what else have I here? Um, da -da -da. I mean... Magical realism, um, lit RPG. Um, again, this is one of the things I don't really like to answer this kind of question. Fair enough. It's like it's all good. Popery, except except for Gorian. Gorian can go just go die. So, but we've discussed that one before too. <laughs> what, is, what setting is that? Um, well, it's a specific. It's a style associated with a specific setting. Um, the 3DS game Toshi and Toshi is actually an example of it. And the last time you guys asked me, my example was, in Gorian Fantasy, real men take what they want and real women accept it. And I yeah. left it at that. Oh, gross. And we will leave it at that yes. again. <laughs> yes, we will leave it at that again. But it is a it is a definable subgenre in Japanese in certain Japanese manga. Um, I'm not sure if they've actually ever read this the series from America that it's that the name is based on in English, but it's certainly similar. <laughs> so, favorite themes, e.g., nature and mana games, religion in most RPGs, etc. Hmm. Um, everything. Do name games? Generally, like themes to be very unique. So I don't know that I could come up with something for this. Um, I like all of the food-themed um, name games in the Magical Vacation series. Um, I mean, just any world where every single dwarf is named after a pasta sauce. Mm. Or, a, a, <laughs> or some sort of sauce. I think uh, this is going to call back to my love of Grandia, but... Uh... Something that uh, consciously rejects the concept of a uh, of a chosen one is something that I always enjoy seeing. Mm. That was one of the things I really like. Uh, late in Grandia, they sort of uh, there's a bit where like the protagonist is making a pact with the spirits, and it's like, well, we uh, we put our trust in people before. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put our trust in you too. We didn't really have a plan for how this was going to go out, go about. <laughs> like, I, I appreciate the concept. Two went full on chosen one. Oh, well. Yeah, which is a bit less fun. Yeah, but I, I like the concept of someone like there wasn't a chosen one. Someone just made the was, uh, you know, chose to be good enough that that became acknowledged as a retroactive concept. Yeah. No, I remember. Um, I remember reading about. Bar I think it was Bard's Tale Three, mm -hmm. where um, <laughs> uh, your characters are told that they are the chosen ones, 
And then later mm. on in the game, they come across a place that is basically the graveyard of chosen ones because <laughs> apparently everybody who's been sent out to do this quest has been told that they're the chosen one. And died. <laughs> yes. And died. That reminds me of uh, one of the things that's kind of cute about uh, Dark Souls' narrative is that it, you're referred to as the chosen undead, and it's like, yeah, anyone could be. <laughs> it's just whoever manages to get through it is chosen. Was, we're, yeah, Dark Souls is like the chosen one shall defeat the demon. You defeated the demon, therefore you're the chosen one. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Now go link the fire. Light yourself on fire forever. What um, if I don't want to? Uh, well, I suppose that's also an option. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the that's kind of the pain of uh, how prophecies uh, that deal with retroactive people. Uh, that deal retroactively in declaring someone having been chosen. There's uh, kind of the problem of, well, we don't actually have any sort of magical compulsion for this person. We're just hoping that they do what we say. Yeah. Um, or, um... We'll see. Okay. Or, I was going to say, or, um, occasionally I'll see somebody reposting some, like, random thing from Tumblr, and one of these was, um, in the modern world where birth rates are down, um having like seven children in a family is rare enough that if you're the seventh child of the seventh child, you end up accidentally um, qualifying for four different major prophecies, none of them actually mutually consistent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Will you got any for this? Uh, No. Brain starting to run out of steam. Okay. Uh, Let's try and get through some, ideal... some more of these, so it's fine. Steampunk, that's another yeah. good one. Steampunk. Yeah. We, we need more steampunk games. Seriously, everyone go play Steambot Chronicles. That game owns. Yay. Also, codenamed Grandzella. Steam on 3DS. Mm-hmm. But Grandzella, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys got the Steambot Chronicles rights at some stage. Please. Or Steambot Chronicles 1 to Switch. I will buy it a million times. Did anyone else play Steambot Chronicles? Do I have to rant about Steambot Chronicles again? Probably. So Steambot Chronicles, I've ranted about many times, but I will bring up uh, several of my... Uh, Tam points out that, they, that he also owns Steambot Chronicles. Steambot Chronicles is great because, uh, one, uh, I love the fact that it is a game... Where your character starts with amnesia, and it is an entirely optional subquest to ever figure out what on earth they were doing at the start. <laughs> <laughs> um, like it's 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 one of those things where like you find it out, and it's, the answer is relatively boring. Like not not boring in the sense of like uninteresting, but boring in the sense of it's not that important. Uh, it's kind of mundane. Yeah, it just yeah okay. That's who you are now. Uh, that's who you were, but it has little bearing on who you decided to be in the game at that point. Uh, one of the side quests in Steambot Chronicles causes you to participate in the invention of the electric guitar. So I'm big <laughs> on that. Because the game is the game is all, like, has a ton of, like, music uh, conceptually in it. Like, one of the things that you can do at any save point is busk on the street corner and just, like, play the harmonica to get people to, to drop money for you. But yeah, it, it's it's a very charming world to inhabit, uh, and that's why I would love to have it on Switch so I could just sort of 
have more excuse to mess around in it. Yeah, so everyone who can play Steamboat Chronicles, it's really neat. I should write about that for the Patreon. I just want to rant about how good Steamboat Chronicles is. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, let's see. But yeah, Wheels, did you have any favorite themes or? Not off the top of my head. Okay. Ideal length of an RPG, hours slash chapters. Uh, it's too dependent for me to give an answer. Uh, however long the RPG needs to be. Like, the the it's something that I will... If I start complaining that you could have cut this and I wouldn't have minded, then it's, the answer is that it was too long. <laughs> but that is very dependent upon how long you can keep the content interesting. Mm-hmm. I assume that your answer is not too far off, Gaijin. Mm, oh, sorry, it was I zoned it for a moment. What was that? Uh, ideal length of an RPG. And me and um, we're both basically just like, you know, it's very dependent. <laughs> very dependent. Um, I, I like the, the 20 to 40 hour model, usually. It's, mm. yeah, that's, usually mo that, that's the amount that most games have enough material for. Yeah, I mean, just generally, if they, I mean, they like you said, they usually don't actually write out enough plot to go past that point, and if they do, it's better to do it in a sequel. Yeah. And um, the games that intentionally go over 100 hours, they just feel very stuffed. I promise not to mock Dragon Quest Seven. That's not the one I was thinking of, actually. I know. I know it's not the one you were thinking of, but it's the first one I thought of. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think of Dragon Quest Seven more as a... What's the right word here? A buffet line. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of little, little plates with little um, things to choose from, and you can just keep going and going. It's all you can eat. Mm. I'm thinking more of the games that are 100-plus hours of doing almost the exact same thing over and over again. Fair enough, fair enough. Dragon Most Quest Seven does at least have variety. Most well, Tales games, you can chop off the last, like, 20 hours and not miss much. <laughs> uh, some Nippon Ichi games fit this bill pretty yeah, closely. Mm -hmm. The main yeah. stories of Nippon Ichi games are usually slightly more restrained, but there are definitely some that could use some turning. This guy at five yeah. is about 50 hours too long. Yeah, it's only a fifty-hour game. Like, no. um, like this game actively no. encourages you to go to side content, like the item world, which can lead to a hundred yeah. plus hours of the exact same thing over and over yeah. again. It took me eighty hours to beat the main story of this guy. Lordy, that's literally forty to fifty hours more than it took me to beat like the the other games. Jesus Lord. Yeah, it's. Now you understand and my Tam pain. Says that we need to, Tam says that we need to add Steambot Chronicles to the backtrack list, and I <laughs> I will talk about that game enough for five people. Hey, we still need to get Metal Max on the backtrack list. I've been waiting for a good decade at this point. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I mean, I uh, a, a rough draft of the opening sketch for a Metal Max backtrack on, on my computer somewhere. We'll have to... Yeah, we'll have to like you know rally for both of these on the in the discussion. See, yeah. uh, 
see. And try to get them to do it at a time where I can make it, because I really would have liked to try that Solitaire Robo backtrack last week, and I couldn't. Oh. Yeah, I need to play Solitaire Robo. I wanted to... It is awesome. It is yeah, awesome. it's 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 steampunk. <laughs> yes, it, it's little tail Bronx. It's that's great. Yeah. It's one of three little tail Bronx games. We get one of each decade. <laughs> yep. It not um, only references its previous game, it also references the the um the artists' the safety manga, manga projects. Yeah. So, I always thought it was quite funny. Favorite RPG mechanics? This is vague and nebulous, but I guess things like the spark in Saga games or progression loops and some roguelikes for unlocking blueprints or upgrades, for example. Recently, the color-coded loot in D2R is partly why I'm addicted again. I assume that's uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected or something. Yeah. Uh, also, Tam says that he played Metal Saga. <laughs> hey, I mean, they're... Of all there are the worse games, games. In, series in English, that is technically the better one. Yeah. Uh, officially, anyway. Yeah. Uh, that you could play officially in English. Tam, I strongly recommend you try some of the unofficial translations of the DS games. They're awesome. Oh, that's great. Yes. Oh, speaking of, which, speaking of uh, main characters with memory issues, I mean, yes, <laughs> the hero of Metal Max 3, his past is very important to the plot, but when you actually find out the actual name of the character, which is whatever you entered your name as at the beginning as the player, you can choose whether or not you want to change your name. And the, Sometimes you just want to live as Drumcan um, forever. Yes. I was like, no, I was like, no, I'm remaining Drumcan Jones for the rest of my days. Yes. So. But yeah, as for favorite mechanic, um... Oh. Honestly, I'm in favor of anything that makes you pay more attention in the middle of battle. I'd like those, but in general, it needs to be a point where, like, if the battle is trivial otherwise, I don't feel too bad about not paying that much attention. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so also, the, like... that's also the small, um, weaker enemies just don't bother you anymore mechanics. Oh, that's a great mechanic. It's just, like, uh, the earthbound, like, enemy instantly dies or... Uh, you just don't run into battles when you're a certain threshold above. Like, that sort of thing's a great one. Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned last week, Minakuni 2, it's when you're high enough in level, the enemies will have their names in blue over their heads, and they will simply ignore you unless you actually whack them. Yeah, which is, you know, that's a good way of giving the player agency in that sense. Uh, yep. I really like uh, just anything where... Uh, just dialogue options have some kind of consequence that doesn't even have to be a huge one. There's like a bit in the aforesaid Steambot Chronicles right at the beginning of the game where it sort where it asks you a bunch of like personality quiz questions. And one of them is uh, how do you comfort someone who's crying? Mm-hmm. And that question seems utterly irrelevant until like the bit near the very end of the game when your character will do whatever you answered that question with. And it's like, mm. oh, that's cool. It's interesting that you brought that that came back as opposed to just being clever. Yeah, that that kind of thing. Steambot Chronicles, I could talk about for context. 
yeah, you got anything, Wheels? Uh, no. I'm... For Wheels, I submit deflection mechanics. Yes. <laughs> you you missed Wheels complaining about the deflection mechanic in Blasphemous. <laughs> and also that's incredibly gross. Yeah. But mostly it was that it was incredibly gross. The yes, deflection I, mechanic came up very I briefly. can only take so much decapitation in one game. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, preferred difficulty, if you have a choice, or just for the game in general. Um, I just norm regular difficulty for the most part, but it really depends on what the game considers to be normal difficulty. Uh, for me, I I generally want a difficulty that goes smoothly, unless like especially for RPGs that are primarily numbers games, like. Yeah. I, I don't find it super compelling to spend a lot of time uh, worrying about numbers optimization in most games. Yeah. So, like, I so usually want the, them to be on the easy side of normal. It's like um, one of my basic rubrics for judging Tales games is how soon into the game do I turn on the automated battle function? Hmm. <laughs> like, Tales of Innocence, uh, that was pretty darn early. Or not Tales of Innocence, Tales of uh, Tempest. Oh, heavens. Pretty yeah, darn early into a 15-hour game. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tales of Innocence, about halfway through. Hmm. Yeah. Tales of Something Frogs, like Tales of Hearts, I can play for the entire game on. without going to auto-battle. <laughs> Sorry, but, um, For example, um, yeah, Wheels, remember sending me... the. Um, Remember sending me Darkest Dungeon? Mm-hmm. And the uh, the game's brightest battle mode, the easy battle mode, is still, like, one of the harder camps I've ever played. Um, so I really don't, mm-hmm. know, don't want to know what the most difficult mode is like on that game. <laughs> aside from being... Aside from having a very full cemetery. <laughs> I feel like uh, if I had to describe this in a more useful fashion, the way I would say is I want the difficulty to be enough that I feel compelled to use the game's systems and not much more than that. (laughs) I I want to feel compelled to use them, but not compelled to optimize them. That is a good point. It's if, if there is a subsystem there, I really want to be given the option of using it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I think, uh, like, I, I don't mind Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games being harder than most RPGs because they have subsystems that are interesting to exploit. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, your bread and butter RPG, if you don't have, like, that, uh, a subsystem that interesting to exploit, then I don't want it to be hard enough that I have to optimize the systems you do have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I assume wheels are just cooked. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um... So, like, um, okay, Metal Max, um, three and four, they've got a lot of really niche su- um, sub weapon types that mm-hmm. have to be really useful, just uh, in specific situations. Mm-hmm. 
like um, Metal Max 4 in particular, there were at least two bosses that um, I was having, you have trouble hitting them. One of them is just mm -hmm. very fast and up close. And the other one is a long distance enemy. Mm -hmm. But as it turns out, there is a cannon that you can equip on your tanks called the cement gun. Mm. And it will slow them down immensely. Because they're going to be treading through the cement even if the gun didn't hit them. Yep. Um, and then and then um, there's this one enemy in Metal Max 4 that's basically a, an aircraft carrier that's cruising up and down the coast. And so you can wait for it to come within range of you and it will initiate the attack. Mm-hmm. So if you let it do that, you can set up, um, this is still one of my favorite things, um, since armor is a function of um, basically how much extra horsepower you have on your engine mm -hmm. um, in that game, um, you can take the lightest, lightest vehicle in the game, which is a meter-made scooter, <laughs> you can put one of the strongest engines on it, you can pile up like literally 10,000 ablative tiles worth of hit points onto this tank or into this vehicle. And then, and then load up, um, then load the weapons onto it. And it will not be able to move because of um, being overweight, but you can drag it around. Yeah. And you can put it into position um, with like full armor plus a 20 meter long rail gun. Um, and just leave it in position with all your characters sitting in it and just waiting for this enemy to come by and attack and you can just start wailing on it from, with long distance weapons and basically a miniature howitzer. <laughs> and it is, it's just really fun. Yeah. I guess, I guess my answer here as like a inclusive statement would just be that my personal philosophy is that difficulty exists to incentivize and add interest to the mechanics. Mm -hmm. And so, like, uh, if, if it gets to the point where it's like the amount of difficulty is outstripping my interest in the mechanics, that's when they've gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, there are lots of games where I, I mean, there's a little extra stuff that I don't really care about worrying about. Um, yeah. That's what bonus bosses are so good for, is that they exist mm -hmm. for the people who want to... Uh, they, they can exist outside the main game as a way to force you to understand and optimize the mechanics. Yeah. But like... Um, okay, here again, Nino Kuni 2 has a little item called the Tactics Tweaker that... Mm -hmm. um, after you invest points into it, it can let you do things like increase damage dealt to certain enemy types or increase elemental resistances. So it's possible to just set it up so that you will have an advantage against certain major um, optional bosses. Hmm. Since you know they're coming up in advance. That makes sense. I think Wales has either fallen asleep or is playing a card game on his phone. No. Oh, these are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, also, also true. true. That's why I was using the programmer's or. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Um, okay, let's hit these last few uh, so that we and we may come back to some of these, uh, but they were meant to be rapid fire. So let's hit this. Uh, and of course, uh, for the difficulty thing, Wheels is a lunatic and always plays on hard mode when given the option. Um, 
Mm-hmm. How many subquests slash side quests is best for an RPG? I guess numbers maybe are maybe easier to answer. Ratio of hours side quest to main quest. Uh, it it doesn't matter. It uh, as long as they're interesting. That's all that matters. Hmm. Yeah. So that would be my answer. Yeah, I can think of some games that had really bad side questing. Yeah, um, and that's fine as long as I don't have to play them. <laughs> yeah. But like um, uh, Seventh Dragon, it had a series of just literal fetch quests, and the last one in the series was actually titled Yet Another Fetch Quest. Oh, Jesus. Then stop. Then don't put it in. Yeah. I mean, this is also the game that where um, you could only take on quests at the quest um, lodge in town. Oh, but, but you had to find the quest giver somewhere, talk to them, then go to the town to um, to accept the quest, and then go back to talk to them. That set of <laughs> the person who did that was actively attempting to make their user base less happy. That's the only I, thing I... I can assume from this game. I, I believe this in my soul. Um, let's see. It was simply, it was not a good game. <laughs> Any favorite series overall? Pass, can't do it. I've got tons of favorite series, but no, like, one. This is my personal favorite. Yeah, I mean... I would assume that's the same for you. You play a lot of games. <laughs> Yes. I'm, I mean, seriously, if you can't... I mean, I tried counting them up, but one time I I have to think that the reasonable estimate is like 400 RPGs played in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah just, I mean, at some I'm point, the breath becomes stuff, too many. Counting stuff like Lagoon, where I spent 10 minutes and gave up. <laughs> and can still remember part of the first level, as in I couldn't figure out how to damage anything on the first level. Yeah, I, I feel like it's very much a thing where it's like, once you've played as many as all three of us have, it's like, it, it would almost feel irresponsible to have, have like a single favorite series. Yep. Let's see. Same for any favorite developers overall. There are plenty that I like, will watch what they're doing, like, excitedly. But I mean, like, I have played way too much good to have like one favorite developer. Uh, favorite soundtracks for RPGs. Uh, let's throw a curveball and uh, pull up World Ends with you. Just for being unique. Man, I really need to get to Neo World Ends with you. Yeah, there have been some really interesting games out there with um, some good soundtracks. Um, I mean... I'm like I said, I'm still Nino Kuni, and I mean they they decided that um I find it interesting that Nino Kuni two and the movie both basically used the first game soundtrack completely. Yeah, I mean not surprised considering who wrote the soundtrack. Who was the composer for that? Joe Hisaishi. Hmm. Aka like the name, primary not. composer for Studio Ghibli. Uh, of course. For and as the only games he's actually done a lot of work on. Yeah.
So yeah. Um, yeah, that's the sort of thing where it's like, well, we got this. We might as well keep using it. Yeah. And it is a really good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You got anything, Wheels? Wheels has left the building. No, I'm here. <laughs> I got nothing. Left. Okay, we. Yeah, we're really gonna have to rapid fire these last two. Overall favorite RPG platform: Super Nintendo, PS One, DS. That sort of thing. Uh, hmm? Switch. Uh, Switch is really, really easy one because they've got a lot of ports of old games as well. Everything is there. All your friends, new and old. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real, uh, real happy when the Dot Hack GU trilogy uh, compilation port that has been rated by a ratings board in Korea finally shows them on yes, Switch. Those Kingdom Hearts games were on cartridge. I would be even more re- ready to just say Switch, but it's definitely up there. It's either like that or PS2 for me. <laughs> Gaijin, I wouldn't be surprised if yours is like DS. <laughs> yeah, I mean, PlayStation 2 and DS period is like the golden age of RPGs over here. Yeah. It's incredibly strong. Yeah. I mean, ju- just from the viewpoint of having so much stuff to report on for better part of nine years uh, yeah. oh, that does remind I mean, me could, yeah okay. i mean you could tell when the you can tell you could tell when the industry was starting to go downhill by the sudden drop off in reporting from femitsu and Sengeki. <laughs> yeah the uh, wheel saying switch did just remind me that oh man star wars nice the old republic is out on switch next month and it's like hooray i finally get to play that again that was one of my favorite ps2 era rpgs I'm looking forward to that because trying to play on my tablet was a waste of time. Yeah, I really like when these games have button controls. Yes. Uh, Best RPGs for hooking newcomers uh, also includes series. Uh, Dragon Quest is real friendly. Uh, Pokemon has has all those recognizable characters and it's very easy. Final Fantasy's got the bombast. Any of those, like, there's a reason those are some of the biggest RPGs in the world. (laughs) Yeah. So. And there's just so many uh, games all over. Say what? There's just so many different random games out there. Yeah. I feel like those, those tend to be good because they have a broad subsection of what's appealing about RPGs mm-hmm. and a general uh, you know if, if someone likes those they will find other RPGs that they like so, yeah. there, there are fewer things to turn you off of the genre yeah like they're all very polished every time uh, and you know very there's tons of resources for a newcomer to better understand what they're playing and how to play them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. And, uh... Wheels is dead. Long live wheels. Uh, but yeah. No, I'm not. That's why I'm still talking. Uh, but that's why... Uh, but yeah, I think that that's going to have to be the end of it because wheels will die otherwise. Uh, 
Thank you so much for the questions, Prol and Berserk Alucard. Uh, it's absolutely lovely. Um, Gaijin, you've got a plug. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. If you enjoy tabletop role-playing games, reading about tabletop role-playing games, laughing with schadenfreude at people making ridiculous mistakes in tabletop role-playing games, or just simply want to support your local gaijin, uh, please check them out. Again, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, um, pen name Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U, as my wife's family is very nice about this. Um, so, uh, yep, it's out there. Nine episodes, two side quests, and a very long paralogue if, for your reading enjoyment. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see. Current pay, current word count estimate is three hundred thousand. Nice. I think. Yeah, maybe. You'll pass war and peace with enough time. Yeah, there's plenty to read. So, so uh, enjoy. Um, check it out. Enjoy. Leave a comment or review or whatever. Just let me know what you think. Mm -hmm. Later. Uh, let's see. Uh, Wheels will be doing his usual Saturday night shenanigans stream. We have dropped the Neptunia branding because doing that too much would have killed him. Sunday night. Uh, say what? You said Saturday. Oh, yeah. Sunday night. Excuse me. Sunday night shenanigans. Uh, sorry, I've got Bay City Rollers in my head. Uh, let's see. Sunday, uh, Sunday, Sunday. Let's see. Uh, RP Gamer is going to be doing extra live streams uh, from, for like November 5th through 7th, I think, this year. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful charitable cause. Uh, thank you to... Uh, Good friend of the show, Tam, for reminding me to plug this, or else I would have felt terrible. Uh, but yeah, uh, RP Gamer Extra Life. Uh, there will be some fun streams. Uh, we've got plenty of people participating. All sorts of uh, great stuff will be happening, and you know, it's going it's going all weekend. I'm sure there's at least some time you can join. Hopefully, donate. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, I'm away that weekend, so I will only be there for the tail end. But yeah, lots of other people on the site will be partaking. And also, you are listed for 10 p.m. on on November 7th. Yes, that's the Sunday. I will yeah. be back by then. Yeah, my my point was, we all will be there. We'll yes. all be well. Uh, Gaijin probably won't because the timing probably won't work out well. But yeah, uh, but you know, uh, safe bet. yeah, but in general, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, it should be fun. You know, it's for a good cause. Uh, in loving memory of uh, a dear friend Max Storm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, so yeah, please, please. Uh, Watch, uh, donate if you can, and, you know, just join us if you can. Uh, as for the least important of our plug, uh, I still have a Patreon. It's still patreon.com slash gameculturestudy. Uh, this week I will probably have posted some sort of... I will probably be tomorrow night posting some sort of, uh, 
loving first impression of Mazarna Falls. Uh, so, highly recommend it. Uh, and Tam just cheered with a hundred. So yeah, thank you, Tam. But yeah, otherwise, uh, check out that extra live stream first weekend of November, I think. Should be. Let's double checking. Yeah, first weekend of November. Uh, should be a great time. And uh, I guess I'll probably see you, Space Cowboys. It is, it is late now. Yeah. <laughs> Get to bed, wheels. Will do. See you, Space Cowboys. See you.